Well, good evening. Welcome to Get Real with Rick Dancer. And uh, we're going to have one of your favorite guests back. Um, uh, Betsy, you're in, the, you're in the green room out there. I got to tell you, I re-aired our old interview last week um, from about four months ago or three months ago, something like that. Oh, my God. The, the numbers came through. And I think, um, well, let's just bring it on. What the heck? What am I doing? I think, Betsy, what, every time I bring you on, um, people just like the fact that you're real and you tell it like it is. You don't, you don't tell people what they want to hear. <laughs> you tell them what it is that you're thinking. And um, I think people appreciate that in a candidate. I, you have to be getting words, information about that and people saying that to you. Oh, they say it all the time. And, you know, sometimes it's it's OK, sometimes not so much. I learned an important lesson about crack and wise with The New York Times. And um, uh, I'm sort of a naturally funny person and can turn a phrase pretty fast. Uh, but one needs to be a little judicious when one is doing it on a national stage. Um, but I, I that's that's. That's one of the hallmarks of this campaign is tell it like it is. Don't dress it up. We're not going to agree on everything. And so be it. Uh, if there's more you like than you don't like, then vote for me. If there's more you don't like than you like, then don't. So let me do something real fast. I'm going to throw the intro in here and get things going because one of our sponsors tonight is Dr. Michael Bratlin. Our other sponsor is New Leaf Hyperbarics, Matt McCarl. So here's our open and then we'll get back to Betsy. puts up with this? That's what I don't understand. Bring the lion out. Bring the, bring the lion. Um, tonight on our show, we're going to have... Hey guys, don't you think it's kind of fun that you get to comment on the news? Yeah, there's a cost. Oh yeah, there's a cost. People come after you. Like, I think that's why this is so much fun is because... We'll see if I... sponsors, Dr. Michael Bratlin, Chris Gentle, where he cares more about your health than he does any of your political views. He just wants to take care of people. That's kind of what dentists used to do. You know, we didn't we didn't have requirements about what, who you were, what you believed. Um, so how are things going? Everybody keeps asking me, when do how do I sign up? How come she needs signatures? I think people don't. It's obvious people don't understand the system that you have to have. How many how many signatures do you have to have to make sure that Miss Fagan is happy and, and will anoint it. Well, you've asked me two questions, a question inside a question. We have to have approximately 25,000 signatures legally. Now, Ms. Fagan, uh, we're going to have to get a lot more than 25,000 because the Secretary of State's office is not the president of my fan club. And they will be interested in trying to, I'm, I assume, uh, take a very... Uh, sharp pencil to those signatures. And so we're shooting at having at least three times more than the requirement just to make sure that there's no funny business and signatures aren't disallowed for capricious reasons. Um, the signatures are coming in like crazy from all corners of the state of Oregon. Uh, this morning when I left the, the office that I share downtown, somebody was coming in with a big bin of them and they had volunteers in opening the envelopes. We're going through them very carefully to make sure that we're doing it accurately. And according to the law, we have a very high verification rate, which is excellent. Uh, and the way that people can get petitions uh, are to go to our website, runbetsyrun.com. They can download a petition. There are instructions about how to do it. 
if you download a petition and you get your whole family to sign it, uh, you have to watch each person sign. You can only sign a petition once. You have to have your name written, your name printed, your address. Um, and, uh, and then the person circulating the petition attests at the bottom of the petition sheet that he or she saw all the people signing the petition actually sign it and do it according to the, to the Secretary of State's rules. But you can also just download a petition and sign it all by yourself um, and attest to your own signature and send it in. Uh, so we need signatures in order to give us that shock absorber between the legal amount required and what uh, withstands the scrutiny of the Secretary of State's office. So I know you've done this political thing for a long time, but what, like doing it as a non-affiliated candidate, what are you learning about Oregonians that, that's kind of new to you, if anything? Well, I'm learning several things. First of all, let me turn this into a kind of teachable moment for your audience. And I, I know they're very sophisticated political observers because they listen to you all the time. And you're about as political as anybody I know. Um, we're doing this the hard way. We are running without party affiliation, which means I don't have the machinery and the money of the established parties behind me. Um, we are running without a, a political label. So way back in May, when the Republicans chose their standard bearer and the Democrats chose their standard bearer, uh, those are closed primaries. Only Republicans can vote in the Republican primary. Only Democrats vote in the Democrat primary. And because I do not have a political affiliation, I'm running as an Oregonian. Um, I, I wasn't on the May primary ballot. Now, a lot of people wrote me in. Um, I think I got a fair number of votes uh, of people just writing me in, both disaffected Republicans and disaffected Democrats who are interested in big change. And you asked me, what's the thing that's surprising me the most? I think the thing that's surprising me the absolute most is how angry Oregonians are. 8% of people in Portland think Portland's headed the right direction. Only 18% of Oregonians think Oregon is headed in the right direction. Frankly, I'd like to know who that 18% is because I sure haven't run into any of them. <laughs> yeah. um, people are, are unhappy. They're unhappy with being disrespected, not included, told by Salem what to do. They're angry um, about things in general, the, at the, both the national level and the state level, the kind of disintegration of our civic structures. Um, I heard a rip-roaring speech today that talked about just how, how frustrated and mad Oregonians are. And our campaign, I think, is in that magic moment to capitalize on how unhappy folks are we want to appeal to the non-affiliated voters. We want to appeal to Republicans, appeal to, uh, appeal to Democrats. And I will tell you, for me, it's very liberating to not be um, part of an orthodoxy or a political philosophy. I am running only to be loyal to Oregonians. And I think Oregonians are ready to feel as though they're back in charge of their government. Yeah, I think the frustration you're talking about, I see that every day on here. And it's just people, I think they're desperate, you know, just for um, not just change, but somebody to listen to them. And, you know, and I say this, you know, it, it's, it's an interesting, um, it's an interesting concept. And I think 
this is the right way to do it. I know it's a lot harder for you, but I think it's just a perfect moment. So you're getting people, you know, whenever you're successful, <laughs> we all remember this, the attack dogs come on. And I know that Willamette Week was, you know, one of my uh, favorite places to go read uh, stories. Um, it was kind of after you over a traffic accident that happened a while back. And I just want to give you an opportunity to kind of explain that um, in your Reader's Digest condensed version. Sure. Uh, Willamette Week has tried to make something nefarious out of an accident that happened nine years ago. Uh, there are allegations that I uh, didn't take responsibility. That is absolutely not true. Um, I ended up in a wheelchair for six months recovering and um, have had a number of surgeries as a result of it on um, uh, my, my hips and, and uh, acetabulum. Um, I, I was sued very close to the, to the tolling of the statute of limitations for a, a lot of money. And I did what lots of people do. They turned it over to their insurance companies and the insurance company dealt with it. Um, I paid a settlement the the ask out of this lawsuit was $250,000. We paid a $45,000 settlement and, um, uh, it was my fault. There was never any question that it was my fault. I took total responsibility and my insurance paid the settlement. The state didn't pay a dime. So to talk to me also, I think some people are concerned and you and I've already talked about this is you are pro-choice. And I think there's some Republican voters out there and just, just voters in general that are on the other side of that fence um, that are a little concerned going, well, you know, we, 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 we disagree with that. So just to give you an opportunity to react to that. Sure. Let me give you an example. I was on Laurel Porter's show uh, and she uh, straight talk on the television and she described me as pro-abortion and I made her change that nomenclature. nomenclature. Um, I am pro-choice. I have been pro-choice for a long time. I served on a Planned Parenthood board here in uh, the greater Portland area, frankly, before Tina Kotek came to Oregon. Um, it is one of uh, my kind of core beliefs. Um, I believe that it's a private medical decision that should be made between a woman and her physician. Uh, I, uh, I, I am not willing to get into parsing the number of days or trying to figure out, is it this week or is it that week? It's a, it's a private medical decision. Um, certainly the Supreme Court, the first, the leaked opinion, and then the second uh, uh, formal opinion has accelerated this issue in people's minds, and it will be an issue going into the, the general election. But I would hope that people would look at the fact that I see this as a private medical decision and, um, and ought to remain between a woman, her family, and her physician. So what are you most excited about? Um, what that you're seeing out there in the general public, because don't you, I see it, it, it this re restoration of a little bit of hope, like with people thinking, um, I mean, it, it, I think it's gotten so bad under Kate Brown. And, and I think people are just like, you know, leaving Oregon. Um, and, and I've run into more families here that are coming from Oregon and they just, they, they, I think you're giving people a, a, a bit of a, a reason to smile, I think. Well, I, I am an optimistic person by nature. I think that things can be fixed. I spent 20 years in the legislature fixing people's problems. They would call my office and I think we had a well-earned reputation for being 
first of all, responsive. Second of all, on people's side to try to be that um, that shock absorber between Oregonians and the state and the problems that they had with state agencies. Uh, we fix stuff. And I've got hundreds of people in the district that will tell you we came to Senator Johnson with a problem and she fixed it. So I am optimistic that it is not too late. Uh, you have to be optimistic. You have to believe that there's a chance to turn stuff around. And I firmly believe that. I think with Oregonians back in charge, the best ideas from both parties, a governor willing to lead on the tough issues, uh, that you have an opportunity to, to put the safety net under Oregon before we fall completely off the cliff. Having said that, we are falling off the cliff to some degree. I have been calling uh, Oregonians, asking them to help with the campaign. And I'm discovering that Henderson, Nevada must have more Portland expatriates than just about any other city on the planet. Um, we've got a lot of people who've given up on the state. And when you've got eight counties voting to say we want to leave the Oregon family, that's a clarion call to say we're doing something wrong here. Um, if I were the governor right now, I'd be out talking to those county commissioners and saying, what is it that you think um, you, what, that you need to be heard on? Why, how are you not being adequately included? Uh, I, I would be much humbler than this administration, this current administration in interacting with local government, whether they're municipally elected, you know, mayors and, and uh, city councilors or whether they're county commissioners. I think they're as close to their own voters as anybody and they have a perspective that's worthy of having at the table. So um, uh, we have to be optimistic. I, I have said in speech after speech, even Oregon can't succeed if Portland fails and Portland is failing right now. And I still think there's time to turn Tent City around and to figure out how to how to address some of these systemic problems that have made some of us that are native-born Oregonians not be real proud to be from here. Yeah. Okay, Bessie, hold that thought. I'm going to get two of my advertisers in here real quick, and we'll be right back in a second. Okay. Carl, New Leaf Hyperbarics and Wellness. Back here again to talk hyperbarics. Today we're talking about hyperbarics and athletes. Did you know that over a 1,000 professional athletes either own a hyperbaric chamber or use one? on a regular basis to help them recover from heavy training or recover from injury after an event or maybe just a really hard event, they are able to use it to recover faster and get back to a normal way of life when they're not being an athlete. So they're not wandering around sore or injured. They just take anywhere from a one hour nap, maybe even up to a two hour nap in the chamber to relieve that inflammation and relieve that lactic acid, help their body recover faster you know, as we work out and do things, our muscles get torn down. So they need to recover to build bigger muscles. The hyperbaric chamber will help that happen in half to third the time with regular treatments. If you would like more information on that, feel free to give us a call at 541-636-3278 or look us up online at newleafeugene.com. It's never good to have too far to the right and too far to the left. I think it's always, that, it, it, and, and, and that's why like, you know, the Betsy Johnson, you know, I, I, I'm paying for one of her boards to be up. Uh, I don't believe in everything she, her, her, everything that she has voted on, but I, I think she's a good hearted person. And she yeah. believes, she believes that she's believes uh, that she can work with Republicans and Democrats. And I think that's what we need more of people that are willing to work actually to be in, be in power 
and, and not just go extreme to the right, extreme to the left, but somebody that's willing to kind of work with everybody. And she is. That's why yeah. I like her. Well, she and she, I think she loves Oregon, and she yeah, wants she does. to. She doesn't want to be governor. She wants to lead the state, and that's a big difference. There's a lot of people who want to be governor. Um, yeah. Brown. And, and, and I'm going to say this too, Rick, sorry, is that, you know, I don't know a lot about the Republican, Republican candidate and, and I probably, you know, I'll, I'll know more later on, but right now I really do like Betsy Johnson. She's just a good hearted person yeah. that is sincere and, and, and wants to see less crime, wants to see less uh, uh, homeless. She wants to take care of the homeless problem. And, uh, and she, she believes in gun rights. And so and I think she's a good person. <laughs> I, I, I want to thank both of those two gentlemen, Dr. Bratland, and uh, I have heard about hyper, uh, hyperbaric um, uh, protocols with uh, very high performance athletes recovering, just as, as he was talking about. Uh, I'd, I'd love to try it sometime. I never have, but I certainly have. Yeah, Betsy, Betsy, that would have helped you a ton after that accident, because that's what a lot of people go in and they, they, they heal faster because of all that oxygen. It's like taking... I can't remember 400 Motrin, but you know, obviously, no one's going to do that, you know. But but it has that effect on your body of the the, the healing properties. So you know what's so fun for me as a guy who used to be in the news business? I know there's people that are going to watch that don't like you or me, and they're going to go, "All Rick Dancer's doing is kissing her ass and showing all this stuff." And and I love the fact that I can just do this and show positive things because you know I have somebody I, I've been kind of prodding you for years going, Betsy, you should just do it. And you just, you were like, nope, I'm not running for government. I know what they're going to do. I mean, you know, they're going to take, here's this new hit piece. And we, you know, we were, I was showing you, it's this new hit piece that's out tying, trying to tie you to Tina Kotek. And I'm sure it's the Republicans putting it out. I don't know that for a fact, but laying out your record like that, when you've been doing this for as long as you have, you're going to have votes that people don't like. Um, that's just how, that's the game. That's the, the business. That, that is the business. And, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about you today. Today is Senator Hatfield's 100th birthday. Oh, my gosh. That's right. And I know that you were involved in that documentary. Not everybody liked all of Senator Hatfield's votes, but he is considered one of Oregon's most trusted statesmen um, with integrity. But I he took a bludgeoning over some of his positions. And I think the thing that you asked me earlier in this interview, what has surprised me, I think it is how difficult we have made the notion of public service. It isn't that just you and I can disagree on something. I have to grind you into pace to make my point. Right. And the, the um, nature of the debate has gotten so angry and polarized. Uh, I hear from people all the time, you know, I can't have Thanksgiving with my brother because we fight about and fill in the blank. Um, and, and it isn't just uh, normal political disagreements. It's, it's like warfare. Uh, we've got to get back to that place where people can talk to each other and reason together. And not everybody's going to get everything they want. You know, you don't hit a, a home run at every at bat. And, um, but we've got to get to a place where the table is balanced and fair and people can make their perspectives heard. And then others are receptive to listening. Uh, and know, that's where good compromise comes from. You know what I noticed in, in living in Eugene Springfield for as many years as I did is, you know, you'd have a, a decision come down. Let's say the city council would make a decision. Well, then the people who, who didn't like that decision, the squeakiest wheels would hammer and hammer and hammer and whittle down until that 
council gave in and or woked out or whatever, but so much pressure to get their way. And then they'd walk away and get, and then all this other people would be sitting there going, wait, a decision, a compromise was made. And now it got turned into a one-sided because they would just not, they couldn't lose. They don't see compromises as a win. They see compromise as losing. And, yeah. and I think that's what, I, I remember when I interviewed um, Hatfield, long time ago and he said you know when i when i was uh, running for senate wayne morse uh, supported me over the democrat wayne morse was a democrat at the time he'd been an independent and a republican and everything but he was a democrat at the time so he should have been supporting bob smith but he supported hatfield because they both agreed that the vietnam war sucked and P and hatfield said you know rick today people go well oh yeah you guys both made the same decision made the right decision he goes at the time 70 percent of oregonians supported the war and he said that would not and get, people gave wayne morris and me a pass to back then but they wouldn't do it today it would be that one issue and that's we got to get away from these you support you know one issue kind of votes because we're not looking at the big picture and then we keep doing the same thing over and over you know what um which is the I definition can, i, I think completely agree I completely agree. One of the things that I'm the proudest of is that former United States Senator Gordon Smith and former Democrat Governor Ted Kulingowski have both endorsed my campaign. And in the in the statement they issued, they said, you know, I Kulingowski am a good Democrat. I Gordon Smith am a good Republican. But we are putting aside our old party alliances and and allegiance uh, in the interest of the state. And um, I'm, I'm pretty proud of that. And when you look at the people that are endorsing me, the former head of the Democratic Party in Oregon, uh, Dr. Newt Bueller, who was the Republican candidate the last time, we've got a long list of bipartisan supporters. And it is for the reason that you just talked about. Um, people want to find the old Oregon where we used to be able to talk to each other and collaborate and compromise and get laws that were durable because everybody felt as though they had bought into them. How do you, um, I know it's the mystery of the, of the century of how do you bring rural Oregon into this pictures more? Because I, I remember years ago going to Rome, Oregon and talking to a cattle rancher's wife. And she said to me, you know, Rick, the, the Portland people came out here and told us to stop putting watering our cows in the Oahe river. Um, and they never looked at all the other lakes that we man-made lakes we made for elk and our cattle out in the deserts. They never looked at any of that. They just said, you need to fence this off. And she says, so I go to Portland to fight this in the course. And I'm standing on the banks of the Willamette River and looking at 30 miles of river up and down encased in concrete and polluted. And I say to myself, and you're going to come to the Oahe River in Rome, Oregon, and tell me how to manage my river when you can't even get your shit together? And I think that's what rural Oregon is tired of, is they're a different species. <laughs> and I mean that in a good way. They're different people and they have different ideas, you know, different things that work for them. And we're trying to take this. We know better than you. We live in urban Oregon and this is how it, the science lays out. Well, they have hundreds of years of history doing things a certain way and it's worked for them. And it, that's, the, that's the heart. And you know this. I'm not telling you anything. No, you're spot on. And I was talking to one of Senator Smith's old staffers who said what um, an irony it was that uh, Portlanders were constantly going to Senator Smith to tell him how rural Oregon should run. And rural Oregon rarely, if ever, went to Senator Smith to tell him how Portland ought to run. 
um, we're headed out to uh, Ontario and um, and Baker City and Elgin and Burns uh, over the course of the next week uh, to be out where people live and work and I can actually hear them and talk to them. We're making a particular point of going to Elgin because DEQ has been bent on shutting down that mill. And at the invitation of my former legislative colleagues, they asked me to weigh in on that fight, and I have. Um, those are the 250 best jobs in Elgin, Oregon. And I want to go out at shift change and see those guys and say, I'm the guy that's been fighting for your jobs. We've right. got to get state agencies to a point where they're not punishing and retaliating against Oregon businesses. They're helping and promoting Oregon businesses. And that has not been the case at the Boise Cascade Elgin Mill. And I want to go out there and stand with those guys that work in the mill. I'm proud of my association with that mill. Hey, when you go to um, when you go to Burns, uh, you stop by the Central Hotel. Um, an optometrist in town, her and her husband, they have created the coolest hotel out of an old building. They renovated it. And there's a lot of restoration going on in downtown Burns. And it's it's and it's got a little place out back. And I mean, it's really, really cool. Um, education, real quick. I had a teacher on the show last night and she was saying she's embarrassed because uh, she quit teaching, actually, because she saw what was going on in the classroom and she just was, it was driving her crazy. And she says we have behavior problems. Teachers are afraid. Um, the kids are, you know out of control. Um, and she said, you know, we're number 47 out of 50 states with, uh, in terms of, you know, how we're educating. She says, she said in Salem Kaiser district, they just took the numbers, um, that what it, like, it was like, listen, I'm making this up, but I think it was 49% used to be an F now it's a C. So they're dumbing down the numbers so that kids can pass so that Kate Brown and her staff can all look like they're doing something with education. Cause it looks so shitty right now. And, and Oregonians need to be in an uproar over that, you know? Well, they should. We're spending more money per capita than just about any place else. And Kate Brown signed a bill that uh, makes it possible to get a high school diploma without demonstrating competency in reading, writing, and arithmetic. We are cheating our kids. I also have no idea how much damage we did in two years of forced isolation where our kids were out of the uh, schoolroom uh, behind masks, couldn't socialize. Uh, I, I think we need new baselines to see what we've done with respect to the deterioration of the mental health of our kids. I have long believed that teaching is a calling. My mother was an English and Latin teacher uh, until World War II broke out and she and three of her colleagues enlisted and went into the service of our country to defend the world uh, for democracy. But I think you're called to teaching. And I know that many of the classroom teachers that I talk to are so angry at the way that their um, classroom conduct is dictated by the union bosses at the Oregon Education Association. They want to teach. They want to get the politics out of the classroom. Um, they want to be proud of the kids that they're turning out of Oregon public schools that are capable of competing at any of the best universities or community colleges. Uh, in, in Oregon and nationally. Um, and uh, we've gotten better at legalizing hard drugs than we have at educating our kids. So I'm sorry that the teaching profession has left someone who leaves out of a sense of shame that she as an educator is not able to do her job. Um, under a Johnson uh, administration, I wanna turn that around. I wanna listen to parents. I wanna listen to teachers. 
I want to get their input in what they need to make their, their local schools better, including doing technology upgrades that the state would partner with to make everybody feel safe when they're dropping their kids off in, in the morning and picking them up at night. Um, but uh, we need to do a much better job of educating our kids. What about school choice? School choice. Um, I think that people are voting with their feet right now. Uh, the, the number of people I know that have said we're taking our kids out of the public schools, that will be the backdrop against a larger conversation about funding following the kids, uh, school choice, charter schools, how charter schools are talked about uh, with their uh, underlying sponsoring district. Um, I think that's going to be a right place for a very robust conversation because People are leaving the public schools out of dissatisfaction over the quality of the product that's being turned out and the politicization of our classrooms. Um, if it, under a Johnson administration, that sounds funny, under a Johnson administration, um, if you get that, I'm going to cry my eyes out. <laughs> when you get elected, I'm going to be so happy for Oregon. Um, would, uh, if, there was, if COVID st struck up again, would, would you do mandatory lockdowns and, and, and that kind of thing? Let me jump up to 100,000 feet and then answer your question. I would have responded with much more humility than this administration did. Um, the OHA, the Oregon Health Authority, was allowed to give contradictory and dictatorial advice and, uh, quote, guidance. Um, I would have relied much more heavily on conversation with county commissioners and local electeds to find out what their businesses and their citizens needed. I think we had a sort of one size fits all response. We allowed state agencies to swagger through businesses and threaten their liquor licenses or their ability to do business and to levy fines. Um, I, I would not have handled the COVID situation the way we handled it. Uh, arguably it was unknown territory. Nobody knew exactly what they were doing, but I think we exacerbated the problems rather than address them because of the arrogant Salem-centric response and a state agency that even when I was a sitting senator, I couldn't get an organizational chart out of. So Betsy, last thing, you're going to be in Springfield on Thursday night. So tell people how they can get down there. And I've already got, I know a bunch of people who have already registered. If I was living back in Oregon, I'd be there to give you a big hug. But um, I know Bratlin's coming and some other people. So tell people what you're looking and what you're going to be doing. Sure. It's an event that we've been doing all over the state called Beers with Betsy. And it's a chance for people to come in, uh, you know, buy a beer and a burger for themselves. Uh, I go around and talk to everybody in the place. I come and sit at the tables with them. We're going to be there on July the 14th. And the there is a place uh, that, that was called Along Came Trudy. And I think that it is about to be renamed to the Tall Furs Cafe. Uh, and um, it's going to be from 5 to 6 on July the 14th. We're excited about seeing people. It's a chance for me to learn a lot more about local issues, interact with people where they live and work, um, help the establishment by having them sell a few beers and a few burgers. And uh, these have been extremely well attended. We just did one out in Milwaukee where the owner... Uh, dresses up as a giant asparagus and paints his face green to be on the TV and talk about tamales, asparagus tamales. And he was, he was just lots of fun. Uh, and so Springfield, July the 14th, along came Trudy, soon to be known as the Tall Furs Cafe. 
from five to six uh, in beautiful downtown Springfield. And Bessie, that is one of the restaurants that opened under the mandates and that Kate went after and they find her. And I think she's actually selling the business or something to the new owner, to people. They drove her out of business. She's a wonderful person. So it's a great place to be going to have that. Um, one, one quick minor stupid question. What's your favorite beer? My favorite beer? I, I have to drink the hometown brews, either Fort George or Bowie. Uh, both of them made in Astoria and during the time that I was, or, or Pelican, Pelican is in Tillamook too. During the time that I was a state senator representing Tillamook and Clatsop County, I did everything I could to help promote the, the uh, beer industry. Oregon had tremendous pride in our breweries and our distilleries. And when we get our mojo back and our foodie scene resuscitated, um, it's going to be local beers that'll drive that. So I'm a Pelican of uh, Fort George or a Bowie guy. I love uh, Fort George beer. It's great. Okay. So when you go to Baker city, make sure Betsy and Jennifer have time to take you by Barley Brown. It's my favorite Oregon beer of all beers. When I met the brewer, I'm doing a show over there. I felt like I was meeting, um, you know, like, like Steven Tyler from Aerosmith. It was like a rock star moment for me. I told the guy, I said, I'm kind of like really excited to meet you because I love your beer. So I hope you have fun. Um, again, let me know. We'll have you back anytime. I uh, love having you on and uh, hearing what you have to say and good luck. And everybody go sign up, runbetsyrun.com and go get your signature on that piece of paper and go get your friends to sign it. But follow the rules because Miss Fagan's going to be very, very picky. <laughs> Thanks so much, Rick. It's always great to see you and talk to you. And Farley Brown is the name of the place? Barley. Barley, Barley. Barley Brown. All right. Well, I think they just sold a little beer. Okay. All right. Betsy, thank you. We'll see you later. Thank you. All right. Again, you guys, that's Betsy Johnson. And again, we have time to get those signatures. So you need to go get your signatures. Go to runbetsyrun.com. Um, and if you have questions for the staff, send them emails, ask your questions. Don't assume things about people. Instead, do your homework and do your research. Um, I'm going to say just from my standpoint, this is your, honestly, this is my, this is what my true feeling is. This is your only hope. This is your only hope um, is if you keep doing the same thing, Republicans, and I'm not going to make him because he's a Democrat. Well, you've been doing that for 40 years. And Vic Atiyah was the last Republican to serve as governor in the state. How's that working for you? Not very well, is it? Well, you better change because otherwise you're insane and you're doing the same thing over and over again. And if you end up with Kenneth Kotek as your governor, you'll be wanting to come to Townsend, Montana to follow me because you're in deep shit. Good night.